Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we delve into the provocative world of Fifty Shades of Grey, the first novel in a trilogy penned by British author E.L. James. This influential literary phenomenon unravels the tantalizing and intense relationship between naive literature student Anastasia Steele and enigmatic billionaire Christian Grey. The author, E.L. James, born as Erica Mitchell, first conceived the story as a fan fiction based on the popular Twilight series. The overwhelming response led to its transformation into the groundbreaking series that went on to captivate readers worldwide. Primarily a seductive exploration of power dynamics and desire, Fifty Shades of Grey provides a thrilling introduction to the realm of BDSM, making it an engaging read for those curious about the genre. The book also answers to the intrigue surrounding its popular cultural reference, promising an intriguing, if not scandalous, reading experience. Whether you're a fan of riveting, character-driven narratives, interested in understanding the nuances of BDSM, or merely intrigued by the global buzz it created, Fifty Shades of Grey offers an enthralling literary journey. Join us as we unravel the allure behind this modern-day phenomenon. Stay curious and keep learning. Fifty Shades of Grey, an erotic romance between a college graduate and a mysterious CEO. Introduction. Why should you care? Plunge into the captivating world of a widely renowned erotic novel. Few literary works penned in this era possess quite the reputation synonymous with E.L., James's Fifty Shades of Grey. Few novels have witnessed massive sale volumes. Over 100 million copies of the trilogy have flown off the shelves. This formidable commercial milestone is particularly impressive considering its roots in fan fiction. Transformations and iterations led James to self-publish it in 2011, a move that catapulted her to unexpected heights of success. In 2012, it caught the attention of mainstream publisher Vintage Books and sales exploded. In 2015, the cinematic adaptation started rolling in, amplifying its widespread success. So, what's behind the notoriety? It's simple. Despite securing a firm spot in mainstream literature, the book unapologetically delves into the risque world of BDSM erotica. Fifty Shades has served as a gateway for millions, piquing their curiosity and introducing them to the captivating universe of bondage, discipline, dominance and submission, and sadomasochism. Now it's your turn to discover what the hype is all about. Part 1. Who is this mystery man, Christian Grey? Anastasia Steele, or Anna to her friends, is on the brink of turning 22, her imminent graduation from Washington State University, Vancouver, just weeks away. With her porcelain skin, chestnut locks, and vivid blue eyes, she cuts a delicate figure. She's an introverted bookworm, accustomed to being outshone by Kate, her flamboyant, striking roommate. However, she's far lovelier than she gives herself credit for, leaving everyone puzzled about her non-existent romantic history. Today, she's covering for Kate yet again. Kate, a budding journalist, had been striving for months to secure an interview with a certain enigmatic businessman slated to deliver the commencement speech at their graduation. 
Christian Gray, the CEO of Gray Enterprises Holdings, Inc. But with Kate feeling under the weather, Anna will make the trip to Seattle and fill in for her. So, she tames her tousled bedhead into a rough ponytail, dons the only skirt she owns, and sets off on her journey. The headquarters of Gray Enterprises Holdings Towers, as a modern architectural marvel, constructed delicately from steel, glass, and sandstone. His assistants are all impeccably groomed women who exude sophistication. Anna is visibly overwhelmed, her heart racing as she makes her way to Mr. Gray's office, only to stumble and fall right in the doorway. Thus, the first time she encounters the tall, copper-haired god of a man named Christian Gray, she is literally at his feet. He aids her gently to her feet, a thrilling spark of static electricity passing between them as they touch. Mortified, Anna stumbles through Kate's list of questions, entranced by Gray's intense yet seemingly mischievous stare. His responses center heavily on the significance of control and discipline. Anna is spellbound, even as part of her contemplates fleeing his intense presence. Returning home, Kate is ecstatic about the compelling responses Anna has managed to wrangle from the typically elusive businessman. Following their debrief, Anna heads off to her shift at the local hardware store. During her weekend shift, a remarkably well-dressed patron enters the store. It's none other than Mr. Gray himself. He's there to replenish his supplies of cable ties and rope. Part 2. The fervor of coffee encounters, Anna manages to muster the courage to request Mr. Gray for a photo shoot to accompany Kate's article, a request he accepts. The girls enlist Jose for the shoot, a friend of Anna's who harbors an unspoken affection for her. Post-shoot, Mr. Gray invites Anna for coffee. Despite her initial hesitations, his persistence tips the scale and she finds herself agreeing. Over coffee, the enigmatic Mr. Gray engages her in a flurry of deeply personal questions about her existence as an only child, her mother living in Georgia with her fourth husband, and her adored stepfather, Ray, residing in Montesano, Washington. When she tries to turn the tables, he exercises firm restraint regarding his past. She knows about his adoption, a fact available in public records, but that's pretty much it. Leaving the coffee shop, Anna stumbles again and nearly gets hit by a cyclist. Swiftly, he yanks her off the path of the bicycle, holding her securely to his chest. As she looks up at him longingly, hoping for a kiss, he gently distances himself. In the ensuing days, Anna contends with a hurricane of emotions unlike anything she's experienced before. Despite the turmoil, she manages to steer through her finals. She and her friends head out to celebrate her academic completion, where she experiences the heady effects of alcohol for the first time. Finding her way to the restroom, she dials Mr. Gray and leaves a drunken message. His concern is palpable in his response. Back at the bar, Jose grows a bit too ambitious, wrapping his arm around Anna and ignoring her attempts to rebuff his advances. Despite Anna's clear reluctance, he proceeds to kiss her neck. A commanding voice calls for him to halt. She looks up to see none other than Christian Gray. Stirred by her inebriated call, he had traced her phone's location, bringing along his brother Elliot. Elliot promptly partners with Kate on the dance floor. Gray escorts Anna back to his hotel suite and they share a bed, 
purely in an innocent, non-physical manner. The following day, they delve into more profound conversations. He admits he had rebuffed her before because, although irresistibly drawn to her, he does not fit the mold of a traditional romantic. However, he offers to shed some light on his unique inclinations back in Seattle. Although bewildered, Anna also finds herself intrigued and consents. They share a thrilling elevator ride, culminating in a sudden and passionately electrifying kiss. Part 3. Anna's Inaugural Encounter Christian whisks Anna away to his Seattle residence aboard his private helicopter, serves her a glass of fine wine, and retrieves a document from his study, a non-disclosure agreement he proposes for her to sign. He also intends to acquaint her with certain aspects of his life, notably, a space he refers to as his playroom. Inside this dimly lit chamber, aglow with soft light, clad in leather and adorned with wooden decor, resides a grand mahogany cross affixed to one wall. It boasts an assortment of poles, paddles, whips, and feathers. He elucidates, he identifies as a dominant, and this room is his stage for asserting dominance over his submissives. That's precisely why she needs to consent to a contract, in addition to the NDA, one that delineates the ground rules, rules encompassing obedience to him, availability during preset times, monogamy, also extending to lifestyle aspects such as diet, sleep pattern, fitness regimen, and contraceptive use. The contract also demarks hard boundaries, Activities involving elements like fire, asphyxiation, or acts involving body waste are a categoric no. All of this leaves Anna astoundingly speechless. Hesitant, he inquires if she would like to negotiate any terms. Her response, delivered amidst shocked nerves, she is yet to experience sex, making this entire proposition entirely foreign territory to her. Astounded, he regains composure swallowing his burgeoning rage. Why hadn't she divulged this earlier, he wonders. Considering the new information, he readjusts his approach. She needs to commence from fundamentals. Her first experience will be vanilla. Thus, he undresses her slowly, extolling the softness of her pale skin. Stripped down to her minimal intimate wares, her body tingling under his touch, she finds herself melting into the plush bed. He directs her to touch herself, leaving her flustered. She confesses she has never done that before. Taking the reins, he tenderly caresses her chest with his hands and mouth. She oscillates between pleasure and discomfort as he persistently continues his advances. Overwhelmed by intense sensations, her legs tighten as he encourages her to release her guard, culminating in a powerful climax. Removing her undergarments and his own, leaving his shirt on, he adorns a condom over his imposing excitement. Catching her fearful gaze, he reassures her it'll be fine, he'll fit. Despite an initial prick of pain as he penetrates her virginity, the overwhelming sensation is unprecedented ecstasy. With her second orgasm, he joins in her climax, her name on his lips as he explodes within her. Energies spent, they succumb to sleep, entwined together. Part 4 unveiling Christian's layers. The night marked many firsts, not only for Anna, but also for Christian. Despite his wealth of sexual experiences, 
he had never slept next to another person or indulged in vanilla sex. As their bond thickens, Anna gains insight into Christian's tantalizing and complex personality, the man who initiated her into the world of physical intimacy. Now, a 27-year-old, he recounts his adolescent affair at 15 with an older woman, his mother's friend. She was the dominant figure in their relationship while he played the submissive. This revelation horrifies Anna, but Christian reassures her that everything was consensual. They remain in contact as friends and business collaborators. Despite his assurances, Anna's apprehensions linger. Graduation day creeps up with Christian as the keynote speaker. Anna wrestles with how they should behave together in public. However, the mischievously crafty Kate introduces Christian to Anna's stepfather Ray as Anna's boyfriend. Caught off guard momentarily, Christian maneuvers easily, engaging Ray in a friendly conversation about fishing. Another dimension of Christian surfaces, his generous, almost extravagant penchant for gifting. This includes a state-of-the-art laptop, a Blackberry, and even a sleek new car. These incredibly lavish gifts, Anna insists, are merely on loan to her rather than being her property. Through their playful and flirtatious email exchanges, she confesses her lingering reservations about signing the contract to become his submissive. Even then, she often visits him, and they continue to share intense sexual encounters, including in the playroom, unearthing a world of gentle, sensual experiences that nimbly skirt the border of pain. She complies to his requests, including beginning birth control, and also discovers her playful side. She even attends a dinner with his parents, choosing to go commando, which lands them in a quick and heated rendezvous in the boathouse. Despite these concessions, she remains indecisive about signing the contract. When will she truly decipher this enigmatic and conflicted man? In an unusual display of vulnerability, Christian reveals his shirtless torso imprinted with circular burn marks, scars of cigarette burns. In another heartfelt revelation, he admits that his biological mother was a prostitute addicted to crack. Part 5. Mingling Emotions and Boundaries of Pain While still wrestling with her whirlpool of emotions, Anna embarks on a trip to visit her mother in Savannah, Georgia. She and Christian continue their playful banter through emails throughout her journey, courtesy of a first-class upgrade from him, of course. In one of these exchanges, he casually mentions having dinner with an old friend. Quick on the uptake, Anna discerns this to be Mrs. Robinson, her moniker for his older former lover. Christian reiterates to Anna that his sexual ties with Mrs. Robinson are buried in the past. He credits her with helping him navigate his tumultuous childhood and find his identity. Nevertheless, Anna grapples with a cocktail of jealousy and angst, emotions she articulates in her emails. While her mother and she are unwinding with cosmopolitans at a bar, a sudden revelation hits her. He's here. Disturbed by the undertones of their email exchange, Christian has decided to surprise her, making an unexpected appearance in Georgia. His charm offensive works on her mother, leaving her smitten. After reconciling, they share another night of passionate lovemaking. While in Savannah, Christian takes Anna gliding, introducing her to a separate, exhilarating high free in the skies. Everything seems extraordinary, 
but is it too picture-perfect to be real? Secure with a job offer from a publishing company, Anna is eager to propel her career to the next level. She envisions Christian being a part of her future, but the enigma around him still prevails. Back in Seattle, her encounters in the playroom oscillate between the euphoric and the confounding. When Christian blindfolds her, using an array of sensory tools to pleasure her, she rides waves of ecstasy, lulled by the mellifluous chords of Renaissance choral composer Thomas Tallis. However, discussions about the contract disrupt this harmonic rhythm, and they know the moment of decision is looming. Christian hasn't fully exposed what being a submissive entails. Anna finally consents to decipher it. He bends her over a bench and strikes her six times with a leather belt. She tolerates the initial whips, the act of crying out bringing with it a certain thrill. Post that? It's merely pain. The sixth whip racks her with pain, devoid of any accompanying ecstasy. Is this the real Christian Grey's carnal satiation? Her pain is etched all over her face, an image that leaves Christian devastated. His sorrow deepens when she confesses her love for him, predicting her impending decision. She retreats hurriedly, finding refuge in her home. Sprawled on her bed, physical pain battles her emotional torment. It's the end. Final summary. This unresolved tangle of emotions is where Fifty Shades of Grey draws a closure, but it's far from the end. This recap covers merely the initial book of the Fifty Shades trilogy. The saga extends into the sequels, Fifty Shades Darker and Fifty Shades Freed. Keep an eye out for what unfolds in the forthcoming summaries. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then, happy reading and happy listening.